Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global epidemic. These are their stories. My dear cardio nerds, this is Amit Goyal. Join us on a new adventure as we journey through the maze of clinical practice guidelines. In this series, Decipher the Guidelines, we will take a deep dive into the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines, focusing on similarities and differences from the American guidelines. This is a multidisciplinary collaboration between the Cardiators, the ACC Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease Section, the National Lipid Association, and the Preventive Cardiovascular Nurse Association, developed with a mentorship from Dr. Eugene Yang. And remember, CardioNerds is a fellow-founded, independent educational platform. The views expressed here do not necessarily reflect the opinions or policies of our employers. Do be a nerd and spread the word on social media and help others find us by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform. And with that, it's time to get nerdy. The following question refers to Section 6.1 of the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines. The question is asked by Dr. Christian Fabrook-Anderson answered first by Dr. Harpreet Bhatia, and then by expert faculty Dr. Eugenia Gianos. Dr. Gianos specializes in preventive cardiology, lipidology, cardiovascular imaging, and women's heart disease. She is the director of Women's Heart Program at Lenox Hill Hospital and director of cardiovascular prevention at Northwell Health. Christian, over to you. Thanks, Amit. I've got a question about the medical management of a complex patient, but I need a little bit of help figuring out the answer. Here it is. A 65-year-old woman with a history of hypertension, type 2 diabetes mellitus, and coronary artery disease with remote PCI to the RCA presents for follow-up. She has stable angina symptoms that are well-controlled with metoprolol tartrate 25 milligrams BID and are not lifestyle limiting. She takes aspirin 81 milligrams daily and atorvastatin 40 milligrams daily. Her LDL is 70 milligrams per deciliter, hemoglobin A1c is 7%, and EGFR is greater than 60. In clinic, her blood pressure is 118 over 80. What is the next step in management? A, increase her atorvastatin for goal LDL less than 55 milligrams per deciliter. B, no change in management. C, add isosorbide mononitrate 30 milligrams daily. D, stop aspirin. E, add a sulfonylurea. Herbreet, do you think you'd be able to help us answer this question? Thanks, Christian. I think this question is really interesting because it points out some of the evolution in cholesterol targets and how we manage cholesterol and also highlights some of the differences between the new ESC guidelines and some of the current guidelines from the American societies. So the correct answer in this case is actually A, which would be increase the atorvastatin for a goal LDL cholesterol less than 55 milligrams per deciliter. In patients with established ASCVD, the ESC guidelines advocate for an LDL goal of less than 55 milligrams per deciliter with at least a 50% reduction from baseline levels. And that's a class one recommendation, level of evidence A. This patient has stable angina, but it's not lifestyle limiting. As such, further antianginal therapy is not necessary at this point. She has known coronary artery disease with a prior percutaneous coronary intervention. So aspirin therapy is appropriate for secondary prevention, which would be a class one level of evidence, a recommendation. There's no indication for sulfonylurea as her diabetes is well controlled. Notably in people with type 2 diabetes and ASCVD, the use of GLP-1 receptor agonists or SGLT2 inhibitors is recommended to reduce cardiovascular and or cardiorenal outcomes with a class 1 level of evidence A recommendation. 
to summarize in this case, for people with established ASCVD, the ESC guidelines recommend an LDL cholesterol goal less than 55 milligrams per deciliter with a goal reduction of at least 50%. Dr. Janos, do you have anything to add to this, especially how this differs from some of the current American society guidelines? Yeah, this is really a great question, as you pointed out, and really highlights the fact that we have progressed in our aggressiveness of LDL and just in general lipoprotein lowering. So one important distinction is that in the ACCHA or the multi-society guidelines of 2018, the recommendation there is really to use 70 as the LDL threshold above which one might consider more aggressive lipid lowering therapy, in which case, you know, really the goal is still to get the LDL lower from that 70 point, but not necessarily just to get to a goal of less than 70. And similarly, the multi-society guidelines really look for a 50% reduction approximately when they are starting uh, statin therapy. So again, they are looking to get the LDL to a low level, but I think that the European society guidelines definitely take it to a even more aggressive LDL goal and specifically set that as a goal. Interestingly, they also do recommend that in a patient that has had recurrent events in a two-year time frame, they actually make that LDL goal even less than 40. So that really, we're talking about much, much lower levels. And one important thing I do want to bring up is the fact that we are finding that with more and more data, there is likely not an LDL level that is too low. You know, there's been a lot of concern over the years as to whether or not there could be intracranial hemorrhage or cancer, other health issues developing from very aggressive LDL targets, but that has not been the case. And so we really are in favor of significant LDL lowering. That's great. Thank you, Dr. Gianos. It's really interesting how our lipid targets have progressively gone lower and we're getting more and more aggressive about managing cholesterol in secondary prevention and moving towards primary prevention now as well. I was also wondering more about the use of some of the diabetic medications like GLP-1 receptor agonists or SGLT-2 inhibitors in people with cardiovascular disease or risk for cardiovascular disease. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's a great point. I am a lipidologist and we do tend to get a little narrow in our field and focus quite a bit on the lipids, but we have made sure to sort of broaden the horizon and keep in mind the entire cardiometabolic risk of the patient. And I think in the field of cardiovascular prevention in general, we're really thinking about what residual risk exists in the patient and what kind of outcomes benefits can you achieve with each different therapy. So in fact, yes, getting that LDL to a very low level will indeed improve her outcomes long term. But even in the setting of this controlled A1C, relatively speaking, with an A1C of seven, we could still be thinking about it's not one of your answer choices, but we really could be thinking of SGLT2s and GLP1s in terms of improving outcomes for ASCVD. So certainly that answer of sulfonylurea is not, you know, your best option, unless, of course, you end up needing sulfonylureas for A1C lowering in a patient who, because of cost or because of side effects or other reasons, needs to be on that therapy. We really should be shying away from sulfonylureas and insulins and trying to get our patients onto outcomes-based medications wherever we are able to, to improve their overall risk. Wow. Dr. Giannis Harpreet, thanks for taking us through that amazing overview of cholesterol management. 
That goal of an LDL less than 55 is even lower than I'd initially thought. Those were some amazing clinical pearls that I think will be helpful for many folks listening on, certainly including me. Thanks again for sharing your expertise. Thank you so much for having me and congrats on this wonderful program. It is really impressive that you are able to put together such creative questions in the field of cardiovascular prevention, where there are so many different right answers in the individual patient and really teasing out where you get the most benefit is the key. Thank you so much, Dr. Giannos. That was wonderful. 